Hello and welcome to episode 97 of the Ted Jones World Podcast. I am your host, Ted Jones, alongside Peter Moran. Peter Moran. Peter, how are you, bro? I'm, I'm doing great. I feel like I just woke up. My day just began. Okay, you didn't slip on any black ice on the way over here, I hope. I did not. It, Do my elbows look scraped? No, dude. It's getting uh, it's getting slippery over here. It, over here. So, um, <laughs> Peter, we have a, we have a very exciting day today. Actually, we, we have a very exciting guest. Rather, do you see him okay. on the couch? I I, I can. Okay, I international <laughs> man of mystery and DJ Nick Rauner. Nick, how the heck are you, brother? Ted Jones, good to be here, my man. It's dude, been a minute. Dude, thank you so much for coming. Made the trip all the way from Williamsburg. I was, I was also just saying, I was like, dude, thanks so much for making the trip over here from eastern Siberia. You all, you kind of forget how far, or how close, rather, Brooklyn is to Chelsea, right? Everything. When when subways are down, too, or, or people aren't on them, everything's close in an Uber. Right. Know, just so, popping around. So, Peter, you just uh, got out of the house for the first time today. How do you feel? I feel electric. You know, it's like uh, everything changed all of a sudden. I realized there was more than just the... 40 square feet of my apartment absolutely nick what dude what is up good to, good to see you good to hear from you please give us a little bit of a rundown of your day and then let's get into it man dude it is so good to be here again good to see you um you know brave the l train uh survived made it over here uh today th- this was also my first time out of the house today, so that, <laughs> yes you know, boys put on pants took a shower feel Crazy. like a real person <laughs> Um, you know, today was just just on the phones, man. You know, making calls, sending emails, staying in my bed. Um, you know, just trying to work it. So, as a guy who's not really going to the office every day, right? How Correct. do you kind of balance your day from waking up to being like, okay, I have these five things to do from now until I go to sleep? Oh, hundred percent. So, I mean, I think kind of like when COVID hit and everybody, you know, you're like, oh, I'm just going to work from home. Uh, you know, I'm going to wear basketball shorts all day and like, you know, make a mac and cheese at 3 p.m. I'm like, that's my day, right? That's fun for like two or three days. And then I started losing my mind. So like I need to get up, get dressed, go for a walk, like dress like I'm actually going somewhere uh, and, you know, like have some purpose. Um, I think like the more you can impose some somewhat of a schedule on yourself, like going to the gym, going to work out, even if you're just like going to walk around the park. Um, regularity, I think, is good for people. Totally. And I feel like just in general, well, I mean, I don't know if you boys understand that, but today, like today, like uh, just going outside, even if it's a shitty, gloomy day, it feels a lot different than your UV lit apartment. You know what I mean? hundred percent. And also when I'm like, when I go to my day job, you know, and I wear sweatpants, I, f- yeah. I feel less productive as if I were to wear my skinny jeans that I have on here. You I, know what d- I'm I just want the listeners to know that I'm rocking sweats from head to toe right now. And I'm definitely getting outdressed. Nick definitely outdressed the host dude, today. Though. You, do, you look like a real person. Dude, you look like Nick you had something to do. Nick outdresses everyone. Like it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't even that, matter. Nick is a full fashionista and we're going to, we're going to get into that. So, um, Nick, uh, again, you've been wearing a lot of hats. I don't know if we uh, brought that up at the beginning of that episode. So kind of just bring us through what you've been doing since COVID hit. And let's definitely get into a bunch of uh, interesting topics. Yeah, 100%, man. Um, So pre-COVID, you know, I I was DJing professionally for a couple years. Um, Was also working in hospitality uh, in sort of like a private concierge role. So I was I was working 40, 50 hours a week. I was DJing three, sometimes four nights a week, getting home at six in the morning, like barely sleeping, Uh, you know, just really like pedal to the metal trying to get it all. And then what what, what was that like March? Almost a year ago. Almost a year ago. Almost a year of the day. And, you know, everything just kind of like came to an absolute halt. And, um, you know, first couple of weeks, you're kind of just trying to like find your footing and figure out sort of what the hell is going on. 
And, uh, you know, stuff did not come back. And we all, we all kept on saying, oh, you know, Here two more weeks, a month, you know, August, things will be back to normal. And they're not. So um, so you just had to kind of like double down and, and figure out, like, what do I want to do with this time? What can I do that's going to make me feel productive, like, for myself? I think I got caught in a trap uh, a little bit with, with kind of like the DJing and the music sure. of, you know, I got to make a track that sounds like X to sign to Y label so that I can tour with Z artist and like increase my, you know, gig rate by this. Um, you you kind of get caught up in the metrics and you sort of lose like why you started doing it in the first place. So I think uh, in that sense, COVID was actually kind of a good refresher. Like, what do I want to do? Why do I want to do it? Because I want to do it. It's a whole different process was there anything um like in the in the making like something that was scheduled for past march 2020 that you were really looking forward to in like in april or something like that yeah dude um so i had my first single landslide come out on don diablo's label hexagon and that had been scheduled to come out i guess what was that summer of 19 and it got pushed back and pushed back and then the release date got set for like March twenty third, twenty twenty. So, like it, it, the timing could not have been worse. I had put like all this effort and all this time, and you know, it's putting a song out is is not free either. Like some resources and, and energy into getting this thing out, and um, you know, Don. There's this video of Don playing it at the Formula One performance in Montreal because wow. they were going to have the race, and the race was canceled. So it's like just him and it's like amazing. And I love this clip, but just like, oh, so close. There could have been so much cool stuff and like doing it live in front of people that that just couldn't happen. So, um, yeah, no, it it definitely was a bit of a bummer. And would you say that this is going to be potentially like a peak in your DJ career? I don't say wouldn't necessarily say say a peak. I think it um, like I said, you know, kind of like reevaluating why I do it and why I want to do it. Um, and kind of just focusing on making like the tunes that I want to make. Um, I, I feel like Ted's trying to make this like as as painful as possible. Like, was this was this about to be the well, best moment want, of your life? The thing is, I just want people to kind of understand what DJs are going through now. Like, think oh, yeah, about bro. it, man. Like, DJs are are in the pack. DJs should get vaccinated the, first. Yes, that, <laughs> you're running should. around in bubble parties. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, right. I've, oh I've actually I've seen uh, I guess a few parties going on around the world per se, but like maybe more so in Miami. But New York is completely shut down except for maybe underground events i don't know if you could talk on that yeah i mean which is something personally like i don't condone um but you, <laughs> but you see you know like australia they they they're or yeah. new zealand you see these videos of you know seven eight thousand people uh at a festival because their you know government frankly handled it the right way and like yeah. we still can like barely go outside so no it sucks and kind of to your point earlier teddy i think COVID sort of exposed with with entertainment in general, there's always sort of... So take Formula One, right? You got 20 drivers. There's 10 teams, two drivers per team. These guys make like 20 to 60 plus million dollars a year. They're at the top of their game. But if you're not in that 20... You're like you're struggling. Um, you know, there's Formula Two and other stuff like that, but but it's really like the top of the guys are are all good, and everybody else, whether it's you know modeling or acting, once you know there's fewer gigs to be had, it uh, it gets pretty scrappy out there. So it, it definitely sort of exposes that part uh, part of the industry. Okay, uh, Peter, you have something. Go ahead. Not go. Um, so so what what have you been doing since you can't DJ recently? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so kind of luckily for me, in in that sense, um, I've been building 
uh, building this platform for a couple of years now with a friend of mine who had started his own private aviation company. It's, it, you know, long story short, it's like hotels tonight for for jets. So we've been building okay. this. So um, kind of run through it. How does how would that work? Yeah, hundred percent. So um, when a plane like goes to pick somebody up, about two thirds of planes are empty when they fly around. You're saying right? a private jet? Private or? jet. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like a, like a charter flight. Um, so if it's going from, you know, New York to Miami to pick somebody up to go to L.A., that leg, the New York to Miami, is open. And you can give that to somebody at, like, a huge discount. And nobody had sort of consolidated these yet in a really effective way. Um, so, yeah, like sort of hotels tonight. You're figuring out, like, where is this inventory? How can we move it? Um, and how can we... Um, you know, get people there on something that's already moving. So we're not, you know, using extra fuel in that sense. Um, you know, private jets obviously aren't like a green thing, yeah. but it's um, you're using what's already there, right? So we're not adding to the problem. And, uh, you know, we're, we're helping people kind of get around during COVID who couldn't usually like, you know, go to, a, you don't want to go to a commercial airport yeah. right now. Mm -hmm. No way. Yeah, so, so is there an increased usage just because of the way people travel right now? Yeah, hundred um, percent. It, it's definitely reflecting. So, um, you know, been, we've been building that for about uh, you know, two two plus years at this point, and that kind of you know went, once DJing stopped, gave me a little bit more time to work on that. So this is this is live. This app. Uh, it is in development. Okay, but but you guys are doing beta. You guys have people trying it. Yeah, exactly. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, no, Peter knows all the tech words. What is that data? That, what does that you mean? Know, it's like, like the type it's of mail you are. Right. <laughs> Good one. I'm an alpha. Okay, so um, is the ultimate goal to like sell this to a company, or is it going to kind of run as its own app? I mean, I think we're kind of like seeing what we can do with it. Um, we just got Series A funding that we're very happy with. Uh, we have a couple of people we're talking to about a bit more long-term growth. But, um, you know, kind of like you in this podcast, right? Like, it's your baby. You want to see it grow. You want to see it, you know, go to a good school, <laughs> marry a good girl. Or but guy, would we, sell, would we sell it for a bill? Maybe. I would sell my child for a bill. <laughs> I would sell my child for 10K. I mean, I will just Depends. not have a child and save half a mil, whatever. Right. Exactly. Right. That, could, that could work also. So that's great, Nick. Um, working on this uh, private jet app, I guess you can call it yeah. something like that. So before we uh, hopped on the podcast, you were talking about how there was a thought in your mind, you know, you're living with your girl right now. There was a thought that you could would potentially be moving to Las Vegas. Would that Was that like a strictly uh, DJ move or like what What was that, that thought process? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was, I mean, what was that, like two years ago, um, I was kind of like on the short on the list up and to, up. to be the new resident at uh, Chaos in Vegas, which what has... Is that in a hotel? Sorry. Which, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was in the Palms. Um, wow. Which actually already closed down. So oh, I feel like I dodged a bullet yeah. doing that. Um, but, you know, had I gotten that, I, I think I would be on a very different trajectory and i'm actually kind of happy that i didn't because that led me to sort of work on on the tech stuff um been doing a lot of fashion writing too which i, I mentioned to you earlier yeah um which has been something i've been really interested in for a long time and uh, sort of had the opportunity to uh to really kind of sink my teeth into with COVID and just having more time to like think about what matters to me you know like, so you love. yeah so we were, I was talking earlier about how you're fashionista i know you're working is it what is that the right word for a male or is it a fashionista I, let's yeah, ask the fashion guy. I don't know. If I think a, that could be a good word. I, I think it sounds pretty hot. Right. Maybe you should trademark that. <laughs> yeah, fashionista. Yeah, I've heard Rounder. of Spanish. So, <laughs> so Nick, you're um you're working with Jeff Goldstein from Blue and Cream. Jeff, yes, what sir. up? Great guy. And you're working on Reed Bezel. Um, yes, sir. You know your your blog per se, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, tell us about these two things. How are they uh, coinciding, kind of? Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, 
right when COVID hit, and I was I was kind of looking for like a creative outlet. I was thinking, you know, I, I can't go out and, and play the tunes that I love for people. Like, how can I share some of the stuff that's important to me that I think other people would be interested in? Um, so I started this site. I learned web design myself. Like, I built this whole site. Um, started writing about kind of a range of things, both from um, sort of like staple items that I think every guy should have and looking at it um, in a way that's accessible to a lot of people, right? Um, Sometimes I get emails from GQ or Mr. Porter or something. I'm like, yo, that sweater is dope. Oh, it's $1,900. Like, why are you even showing me this? Like, this doesn't make sense. But you could sort of take the same concept and figure out like, okay, we're going to, you know, look at a specific type of item. I could find it at Zara. I could find it at, you know, Cole Haan, whatever it is. Find the cool stuff, put it together, and kind of give it to people. So depending on, like, where you're at in your, you know, your finances, your life, your age, like, your style, you can uh, you can still kind of, like, get on that train without um, dropping $1,700 or what, whatever it is. What are some of the things you think every guy needs to have? Like, yeah, g- yeah. give me, like, a top three. Uh, top three, at least for me, would be a um, great pair of white sneakers. I think is really essential. Better um, hope he says ripped jeans too. Ripped jeans, of course, Teddy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't have them on right now, but Peter is a big ripped jeans guy too. I, I'm a one pair over and over again. They're my pride and joy. <laughs> Dude, it, you live in a man. Some people, uh, some people wear jeans for what two, three years, and then like go bathe in the ocean with them. It's there's <laughs> like a whole cult, and, and I'm not like I'm not that crazy about it. But some people get really into their denim. It's yeah, pretty wild. Yeah, no, this is this is like uh, I, I won't go out without them anymore. <laughs> I would say probably like number two, uh, just like great black sweater, like like turtleneck or crew neck. Um, I think that fit and like material are so important and people kind of overlook that. Like I've seen people who wear clothes that fit them. And even if the clothes are not that expensive, these guys look so well dressed and you can, you know, juxtapose that with somebody who has all the money in the world and no taste and the guy, you know, wearing the Zara stuff is it just looks better. So it's about like knowing yourself and what colors and fits like work for you. And then you kind of go from there. And that's how you, you know, build a solid wardrobe. So you you need a black sweater, the white shoes. Peter, do you have white shoes? I don't know if I've seen your white you shoes. White shoes, but I'm going to be honest, they're not as white as they once were right now. So you right. haven't seen them in a while. <laughs> right. It's a, they're not winter wear. Okay. So what's number three, Nick? I think number three would be um, really good, just kind of like permanent pieces. Like uh, everybody should just like have a solid watch, a good uh, travel bag. Obviously, you're not doing a lot of traveling right yeah. now, but um, you know stuff that lasts. Like, and if right. you invest in like a good pair of leather shoes, a good bag, um, you know, a nice watch. These are things that are going to really pay dividends, like for a long time. You're going to get a lot of use out of them. And, you know, otherwise, like, you would be replacing this thing, like, every three, four years if you buy something low quality. So there are times when it is worth, you know, putting uh, putting that rent check in. So I remember, this is probably, like, uh, I don't know, four or five years ago, I went to uh, your parents' house in where? In Park Slope. Yeah. Oh, okay. man. So, um, why? Do they still not they have did, that no, anymore? No, no. They sold it a couple years oh, ago. Oh, wow. That spot. wow. Parents' house reveal on the so, podcast. <laughs> so, um... At at the house, I remember you had, or maybe this was a GW. You had like a treasure chest, like a Louis Vuitton treasure chest from like oh, your grandpa yeah, or something. Yeah, you still I, have that? I do, man. That's my um, that's my centerpiece table in uh, in my apartment. I had like a, a glass top cup for it. It was in my grandparents' barn. Wow. Um, from like 1910. So it was, you know, two or three generations old. And it was just like sitting up there in in like, you know, the dirt and snow and whatever else. And I just like pulled this thing out one day and was just like, this is amazing. Is that acceptable for like your one piece? Would you think instead of like uh, a watch or something like that? 
I mean, hey, if you know, if you've got a Louis Vuitton chest in your attic, you Hell should definitely yeah. go get it. Uh, yeah, that's that's a little bit harder to achieve than a nice watch, but you know, <laughs> it's just it's just about like knowing what works for you. And I think, um, you know, kind of going back to what I said about uh, getting dressed and um, going about your day, like feeling productive. At least for me, feeling like. I am presenting myself to people the way I want to be seen and feeling good about yourself, like goes so far for your mental health, uh-huh. um, you know, kind of like even you know your professional and personal relationships. Like if you feel like you look good and you're like well-groomed and everything, I think it just kind of like, you know, sort of dissipates into everything else you do. Like good vibes brings good things back. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think recently, I, I mean, I've noticed this with you too, Peter, we, we keep it pretty simple, you know, not yeah. too many colors, not a lot going on, even though you got the tight fitted sweatpants, you look good. Oh, you got the, the short socks Are those dress socks. Nick, no, I remember one, okay. One time I went shopping with Nick Rauner over here and we, uh, we were shopping for socks and the socks and I'm pretty sure those are the same socks oh, he real? was getting do you know what i'm talking about those loafer socks that you bought yeah dude i do remember this <laughs> absolutely oh man bringing it back what a good pair okay so um you have this blog that you're you're writing about like, and how often are you writing i'm trying to post as much for. as i can um trying to do once a week sometimes okay. it slips a little bit with everything else that's going on yeah but um but yeah trying to remain consistent and kind of you know credit to you teddy for doing this we said this is what 97 this is episodes? motherfucking 97 we got the yeah. 100th episode the lit cast peter, peter and me are gonna apps. we gotta figure out which drugs we're doing for that episode <laughs> i don't know if i'm drinking for it i just might be smoking but we have to, we have to Ted, discuss Ted learned recently he cannot handle his liquor well He's, dude that, that was also because i had seven or eight white claws in one night which is like not good when you're not it's a slippery slope, man. It really is, especially with the white claw. What you're drinking, it here. goes down pretty smooth. It's I, a ninety degree slope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the claw looks good, but yeah. anyway, it's a lot of work, right? You know, yeah. putting together and, and editing and getting stuff out on the internet. Sure, um, you know, it's a labor of love. So credit to you for for sticking with us, right? Man. And and, and, P- and Peter for and joining Peter. us. Absolutely. Thank you very much, yeah. my man over there. I Absolutely. just say my words. Hell yeah. Okay, so I wanted to uh, kind of get back into you're working for Jeff Goldstein. So blue and cream is a clothing store, clothing brand in New York city. Peter, if you're not familiar with it and everybody listening, uh, there are shops in East Hampton right now and New York city, correct? Yeah, New York, East Hampton, a couple others, uh, in the works that I'm not at liberty to disclose. Okay. Keep, keep your eyes I open. Like that. But yeah, I mean, you know, Jeff and I go back, what, 15 years at this point. Um, in, in high school, a friend of mine took me out to the store and just kind of like checked it out. And it's such a cool combination of like this very downtown New York cool on the Bowery with, um, you know, sort of that East Hampton, like very preppy upscale vibe. Like it's both of those things at the same time, which kind of seems incongruous, but there's actually like a really cool sweet spot to be had. And I, I remember Teddy, like Jeff took you and me. We were what, like 17? What I think, we got to, the Nike to the office Nike, or something. The Nike showroom. To and like, like 14th and 8th down yeah, here. Exactly, like to like pick out some new sneakers for the, uh, for the spring line because he wanted, uh, wanted our, how our many years? How many years ago is that? That must have been when we first. was like 10 years ago. Got, it, maybe even more than that, dude. It could be. We're old. That must do. That might have been also. Dude, don't tell me that. when we when we first started promoting, which I think everybody everybody oh, wants baby. to hear about. So Nick oh, talked. Nick just talked about uh, back in high school, and Nick, I don't know if you fully know this, but I think that you putting your foot into the clubbing game. I think I I may have followed you slightly. Just I might because, have opened the door. Yeah, just because I think you were going to Griffin initially. This club in what, what year is this? Two thousand six. 
Okay, so maybe some, some underage promo. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my oh, god, yeah. so much. <laughs> so Perfect. Nick, so how did how did it start for you? Like, I I don't even know if we've ever had this conversation. How did you first step foot into a club and then get uh, literally the lines of people behind you? It is a kind of a crazy story. It's really just like right place, right time. Um, I was going to dinner in the meatpacking district with my sister. I think I was like. 16 and a half maybe and this woman grabs me off the street and she's like you two i need you i'm like what are you talking about she's like we have a fashion show and we need to put you in it i was like what is going on but we we had nothing else to do so we're like all right fine and we ended up doing this like the weirdest fashion show ever at cielo I don't know if you remember that spot. That, that was, was next a, to Tenjun. It maybe? was Little West Twelfth Street. Um, super cool venue. Like a bunch of great house guys have played there since. But um, but anyway, so we did this like random fashion show. I was at like sixteen and a half, and we had this like after party at Pop Burger across the street oh, in right. meatpacking. And I met this guy named Doug, who introduced me to his boys Cody and Brooks, who I'm sure you obviously remember Teddy. And uh, that's kind of like how I got my foot in the door. And I just sort of met a bunch of people. I'm, I'm a really social person. I enjoy like just going out and talking to people and kind of like hearing their stories. And we sort of had this, um, you know, this situation kind of like end of high school where the option, you know, for Friday night was like, do we stand on the corner on like 26th Street and try to convince somebody to go into a deli to buy us beer? <laughs> or do we go to the club where we have everything for free? I can bring all of my friends for free. And like everybody has the best time ever. Like I wasn't doing it because I was getting paid or I was trying to like scheme on this or that. I was just like, this is an amazing opportunity and I want everybody to have fun. Wait, so you got all your friends in for free? Yeah, we would we would roll like 25, 30 people deep. For real? Yeah. And just show up, drinks on them, everything? Yeah. That's whole, cr- whole nine. Depending, I would say like probably also like depending on the crowd you'd bring. You know, right, you, right, wouldn't sure. br- you wouldn't bring like 20 dudes and five girls. Maybe, no, no, no. maybe it would be like 70, 30 to girls to guys, right? Right. I would say so just to like attract that. more people to the club. Yeah, I mean, there's there's like whole, you know, studies on like what why you do promotion for this, that, or the other thing. But yeah, I mean, ultimately, like the people just kind of like like the energy that we had. We were just yeah. like a bunch of kids. And yeah, you know, we'd have a couple of drinks, but everybody just had such a good time. I think it was like almost tangible to everybody else in the room how stoked we were to be there yeah and that kind of like translated to everybody else so man we just oh those years were just <laughs> so insane. much fun. like no joke 16 70 year olds smoking cigarettes in the club <laughs> like and no the thing was i don't think anybody really got too blacked out to the point where like we would have gotten in trouble like no 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 just not like at all perfect amount of drunk yeah. like nobody had too much everybody knew they had to keep their ass in line right. for sure and i think like you know the listeners maybe you know thinking we were a whole debaucherous group of kids but yeah. like it was the most like pure clean like positive experience yeah. in that sense like it's kind of hard to describe like we just had such a good time i also kind of forget how like initially when when that many people were going to the club like how ids were dealt with like at the front door was the bouncer even checking ids at that point because i remember later like once you and i got into it like once we were older you know 18 or 19 yeah. still under <laughs> age but like elderly then, men then yeah then like the bouncers and like the promoters would maybe give us like a little bit of a hard time but like if like a couple hot girls came and they were you know without an id and they were just trying to get in usually the bouncers or the door guy would just let them in whatever yeah i mean i think it was just like a different era in new york um the laws like weren't that tight they weren't really being enforced and um you know i think to your point that everybody that came with us kind of like had their had themselves together and, and just like had a good time um you know like we were never 
never a risk in that sense. So, um, yeah, you know, the venues love having us. Um, I wasn't doing it for the money. I was just doing it because it was fun. Right. But, I mean, at, at a point, like, even when I joined you in, like, some of the summers, uh, like, at, I was using it as an excuse to, like, get wasted for my summer job. You know, like, <laughs> while I would make, like, no joke, a few hundred dollars in a night, like, sometimes a thousand, it became, like, a little bit toxic for me. But, like, I'd wake up, hung over 1130. Like, you know, you were with me. We woke up 1130, 12, and then we just hit the phones. Like, try and get the next group of people to come out to that specific Tuesday at that specific club Avenue or whatever. So you like selling tables or something? Eh, not really. Yeah. As, well, as I mean, much. yeah, like occasionally, occasionally. but uh, I mean, more so, I think that it was just, it was just, I, I don't know if I can speak for you. It was yeah, just absolutely. more like bringing that specific type of person yeah. to the club. Like that was the look that we were trying to go for. So is it, is there like an art to it? Is it like go there, make it such a fun time that everyone that was there is like, this place is the place to go. And then everyone comes back next. Or is it telling people that aren't there yet? This is the place to be. I think it's probably like a combination of both. And obviously like, you know, we're, we're speaking on, on past remembrance because nothing <laughs> is open now and sure. I don't know when everything will open back up. But, um, but yeah, you know, I think it was just kind of like about the energy and the vibe and just like making it right in the room. And I think that, my sort of desire to have everybody else have fun is kind of like what led me to start DJing from just like being in the club. Um, just cause like that was something that I really dug and, uh, and you know, music was something I had already uh, always done in some capacity. And I was just kind of like, wait, I can, you know, if I'm like listening to these songs over and over again, like on my iPod in my room and I arrange them and I do this and that, like, why can't I do this for people and have them enjoy it? Right. Totally. Is it, what, what's the what's the art to like crowd management as, as a DJ? Because like, you know, doing comedy, there's something about just keeping the energy up no matter what. And yeah. we need a specific reaction, right? We need laughter. We need applause, whatever. But like just to keep make sure everyone's just bouncing around having a great time. They want more. Like what's what's the art to that? That's a good that's, that's awesome. a really good parallel. Also, because like um, I'd say like one of the bigger venues that I've seen you where you have to control the room is like a marquee over right. on uh, 10th Avenue and what, 25th Street or something? Yeah, 27th. Cl- huge venue but go ahead yeah i mean i think kind of similar to comedy like um you know you're trying to please everybody in the room without you know sort of like offending anybody in particular it's actually an incredibly difficult thing to do um especially kind of in a club setting where you have people who come in who you know just want to hear hip-hop you have people who come in who want to hear tech house you have people who come in who only (laughs) want dance music the requests never stop and then there's some saudi dude telling me you know play despacito 17 times and uh, you know (laughs) club management says you have to do that so like there's all these things you're trying to juggle while also like you know putting some of yourself out there right and like still making it something that you feel is, uh, you know, an expression of yourself and that, um, you know, you feel good about, but at the same time that, like, checks all those other boxes. So it's actually a really, really hard thing to do. It takes a long time. Yeah, I believe that. I believe that. So is your music, you you just uh, are doing arrangements or do you lay down vocals as well and the stuff you put out? Uh, I don't sing personally. I'm probably doing everybody a favor by not trying. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> No, but I, I produce, um, arrange some stuff, work with um, work with vocalists, um, you know, on a couple projects. I have a new EP that I'm working on right now, hopefully be out in the next couple months. Um, but yeah, you know, kind of like without all the, uh, you know, club environment, it's a little bit more like I, I, I want to make something that sounds good, that is interesting to me, not just like thinking about like how hard something is going to hit in the club, because that's yeah. like not, you know, a concern at the moment, right? Yeah, for sure. Who's the biggest name you have performed with? 
I would say probably the biggest uh, biggest name would be Chainsmokers, who Teddy, right. uh, you, you know Alex and Drew pretty well. Um, I actually met my girlfriend at a show I did with them about really? seven years ago. No way. Where? Yeah. Oh, yeah. She was in a DC, fan. In in Echo Stage. Oh, I, my God. We, and we I, I had been, I, I went to Echo Stage when you, I think you were DJing with, who was it at the time? Pharaoh. Yeah, One dude. time in DC when mm-hmm. I used to come I, down to DC. Oh, I remember that. So I used to visit Nick at GW a few times because I was seeing this girl who will be unnamed <laughs> uh, at this point during the podcast. She who you shall not be named. I've talked about her before on the podcast in a negative light. Oh, really? So we don't need to talk about this. Okay. Yeah, um, but uh, used to come th- come to DC all the time, and I was literally just standing with Nick in the DJ booth and just trying to get numbers from <laughs> just girls. trying to get clout. It off worked, of Nick. Bro, <laughs> Yeah, it worked, dude. So I, 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 yeah, I wasn't too I wasn't too worried about that. All right. So speaking of being at the club, uh, have you ever gotten too turnt at the club? Maybe before your DJ set. Because occasionally you'd go on pretty late, no? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I would. I would definitely go on super late. Like when I was doing, uh, you know, marquee or something. If I wasn't headlining, I'd be doing a support set. So I'd be playing um, eleven to one thirty, and then like three to five. That's crazy. That clubs like, are long so hours. <laughs> late. Yeah. Super. Like you should go home by then. I don't, <laughs> I don't even know. I, dude, at like five in the morning, I'm like judging everybody. Yeah, just being remember, like, what does your mother seeing, think right I remember, now? Like seeing you sleeping like a little bit in the corner, like on the couch, just like at four, four a.m. getting ready for your dude. Dad. It is serious work and kind of like going back to your question. I mean, obviously, like, you know, in college, like we just had a lot of fun. But, you know, at a certain point, you realize like this is real work. And also, I think like the some of the reasons that that I sort of was able to get into it and, and make a, make a bit of a presence was that I was not the guy that was, you know, chugging two bottles of tequila and like, you know, messing up all your transitions (laughs) and like screaming on a microphone. Like I was there to back those guys up when they had to get taken off stage. But like, you know, I I would drive, like drive to a show and not drink and play 11 to one and then like take a nap in my car and then (laughs) play three 30 to five 30. Like, you know, it was real work. I did want to ask this is in the, uh, club promo days, right? Right. Did you guys ever, did you guys ever bring people on like, like bring in like big names for appearances? Was that part of the gig at all? Uh, not necessarily. Occasionally, like we would have like a friend of a friend who was, you know, somebody famous for this out of the other thing who would kind of come hang out. But, um, that was usually kind of more like orchestrated by the venue. I remember the first night that I ever promoted at Griffin that was like officially my night, not with somebody else. Yeah. Um, Rick Ross was there performing. Yeah. That was your first night, that dude? That was my first night. I then. remember that you night, were there. too. You were there. That is insane. And this was like pre-fit Rick Ross. This was still like Wait, wait, there's days. a fit Rick Ross? <laughs> Relatively <laughs> fit. like oh, Sub 35P that. body fat. Yeah, you that. know, like not a, at risk of like congenital heart failure. <laughs> but um, I remember like trying to walk up the stairs to go to the bathroom. And like the staircase is probably you know 10 11 feet wide and i had to go down the stairs to let rick ross come down the stairs and then go up because there wasn't like enough room for me to maneuver (laughs) he was just like with his whole posse and dude just like had an orbit but i I remember thinking like yo this is pretty cool (laughs) yeah man i mean that that's like honestly that's probably one of the cooler things a 17 year old can do Invite all your friends to a club to underage drink. I can't really think of anything cooler, actually. And that's why I got involved in it, Peter. You know, like I was watching Nick do his thing. And then slowly I just started to follow you when you were going to these places. And then I became close with like Cody and Doug and Brooks and these guys. And then I would branch off to other promoters who would potentially pay me more money 
So you yeah. know, I was I was looking for the big bucks. You know what I'm saying, Peter? Yeah, dude. Anything, anything to chase a dollar. I'm with you. I'm, I'm <laughs> Hell gonna, yeah! Uh, I'll bring you into my basement for a dollar. Arguably, <laughs> like we had the best time out of like everybody who lived in. New I don't York even know if that's years. arguably too, dude. <laughs> and also, it's funny. So I was I was explaining it to Peter. Um, he was like, "Well, why would club owners or?" club managers, whatever, give us free reins of a table with free alcohol and let all of our friends come in because the appear it looked like we were spending money. You know? Like they'd put a bottle of Grey Goose on our table or excuse me, they'd put a bottle of Svetka on our table. <laughs> and then they put a bottle of like Don Julio. So now the Turkish guy sitting next to us is like, who the f I don't even know Turkish accents. Who the fuck is this kid sitting next to me with a Svetka? Okay, get me a Grey Goose. Who's this Don Julio? Give me Don Julio nineteen forty two. And then boom, by then the table and the alcoholic drinks are already paid for. Everybody's and, and then over and then yeah, over. Everybody's trying to one up each other. Yeah. And uh, you know, it just adds to their bottom line at the end of the night. It's it's a lot of smoke and mirrors. Yeah. yeah, it's like going to the auction and betting your friend's thing up just to get someone to come over. To Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's li- very good. It literally, it literally is like that. Okay, so um, now, sorry, excuse me. Okay, so th- what's the craziest story you have from a club? Doesn't have to involve Ted Jones over here, but one of the crazier <laughs> stories not involving Ted Jones, and then I guess one involving me. <laughs> if you if you have both, if I oh I I definitely have both. Um, I mean I think like craziest in that I just remember it and will remember it for the rest of my life. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. One time uh, I was playing a marquee and this girl spilled an entire oh. drink on the mixer. And like <laughs> occasionally there's there's like stuff where the sound goes out for like a second or you you know you pause the record accidentally and you restart it and there's like a 2 second gap but you sort yeah. of convince yourself like oh it's okay it's okay nobody noticed. <laughs> no, this was like lights on like Four and a half minutes of Ooh. absolute torture. They have to go upstairs to like go to the supply closet to get the other mixer. And I'm like literally crying in the corner. <laughs> this is because everyone's wasted. It's 2 a.m. Saturday. It's that, yeah, I mean, everybody's wasted except management. Yeah. Looking at you like, what is going on? Like, what did you do wrong? But like, that was like the most powerless I've ever been. And also at the same time, it was very like, just like yin yang like you just have to like deal with it yeah. right like stuff like that just happens and you have no control and the only thing you can control is like okay how do i bounce back from this and i never thought that i would have like a life learning experience right. in the club at four in the morning but it really was like you know it's you're like, like it's i can only have four girls behind the dj booth instead of five yeah. exactly yeah, that's how you learn. Yeah, did you have your microphone still when that happened? Could you like? Did you like? Oh try to no, 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 no! <laughs> Everything was down. Lights were uh-huh. up. Uh, no sound of any kind except people. When people start going, no music. <laughs> that's when you know, like you're really screwed. Oh no! You there are several <laughs> people that would have hooked up if it weren't for that. That definitely did. Oh my god! Dude, think about how many people reality. were grinding too. Yeah. Oh, when yes. the lights come on in the club, Forget prematurely. Yeah, literally, <laughs> that guy is pretty <laughs> ugly in the light. All right, you have any crazy stories about me, man? I don't know if you and I, or I don't know if you and I have any specifically crazy stories. I mean. You and I have walked home from the club before when we've been in, I guess, the Hamptons together. That, that was a good memory. I was, I was thinking about that, that we used to go to, uh, what was it? It was SL East at that Something point? like that, where, where my parents' house was like a mile and change away, and we used to walk home in through the, the pitch woods. black, through the woods, wasted. That, that was, was a good memory. It was a really good memory, man. That, <laughs> that was a good time. That was a very, very good summer. Um, 
I mean, we get a little PG thirteen for the uh, for the listeners. The you can get R, dude. Get R. NC seventeen, even if you yeah. want. We might have to blur it out, though. I told Nick, I was like, yeah, I was like, don't say any, don't say anything. I have to edit out, but I'm yeah, sure you yeah, won't. Say whatever you want. <laughs> I remember work. Teddy. The first time I ever met you, thirteen years old, we're at Xander Shepard's house. And I was talking like, about Xander last episode. I want to get him on the podcast. He has a uh, cannabis-infused red wine. I was telling about that's what Martet, I said last baby. episode. Yeah. Okay, let's do delicious. a little prelude to Xander then. Let's it hear it. It is delicious. So, so we're at Xander's house. First of all, I also, like, I transferred into our high school friend seminary, and Teddy had just left. And, like, Teddy was just a legend. I knew his name. Like, he had this whole rep. And I come over to Xander's house. I remember it was still daylight out because I had to be home by 1030. My oh, mom yeah. was very precise. So I, I only had a couple hours at this party and nobody else has shown up yet. And this kid just runs in ass naked with a Doritos bag over his family jewels Shut <laughs> up. running around, making a ruckus. And uh, and lo and behold, that was uh, this was me. This was that you, was dad. Dude, I don't did remember you, this. Yeah. Dude, okay. oh, you know what? That was probably what year was that? Was that freshman year? That was freshman year. Peter, what year was freshman year for me? Exactly. I was homeschooled. <laughs> so I was, being, I was being an absolute freak, man. This was probably my first weekend not uh-huh. having a tennis tournament. I was fired up. You know, Cool Ranch Doritos, one of my favorite chips back in the day. I just don't, I just feel like that's the least tasteful thing you could have used to to cover your area. (laughs) Well, I mean, it was a bag. You figured nobody could be like, how does that cover your, how does that cover your wing? It's pretty unavailable at the time. Did you have tape involved? I'm I'm sure I didn't get that involved. I just finished the bag of Cool Ranch and then I was, I was good. All right, whatever works for you. All right, you. do you have a club story or no? Or just the, just, <laughs> just the first time you met me when I was thirteen? How old was I there? Probably fifteen. That, that would make sense. 14, 14, 15, 14 or fifteen. Honestly, like, like the club stories, we I were just, pretty composed. We were very composed, man. Like I just have you know, and maybe it's that you know the time and and lack of going out has made me you know kind of blur out all the uh, you know less less good stuff but we just had such a good time man i have nothing but fond memories of those those years like we just had such a good time it's amazing no nothing no i I wanted so we um so you and i going out to the club we've seen a ton of people spend a lot of money do you remember this guy joe low he's like in the he's in the middle of this like uh malaysian fund scandal where apparently he like um embezzled five billion dollars from the Malaysian government. So this guy used to go to Avenue, which is a place that you and I used to go to um, all the time. Where is it? Like 19th and 10th. And I remember one time specifically, I don't know if you were there with me. This guy got like a Dom Perignon shower, meaning he ordered, I think he ordered like a hundred bottles of Dom Perignon. And then they were each, they must've been at least five, 5,000 each. The guy spent like $500,000 in one night. And that was the craziest I've ever seen. Like literally a line of Dom Perignon just keep after bottle after bottle for like 10 minutes. What's the craziest thing you've seen in the clue? Yeah. I mean, so like you guys remember Goodfellas in that scene where they're like, yo, we got all this money. Don't go buy any cars. Don't go buy any fur coats. Like, like stay DL. That guy, Joe Lowe was the polar opposite of that. Like that (laughs) dude just like robbed an international development fund of like $900 million and like spent half of it on a yacht and the rest of it at Avenue. Um, (laughs) Like you could not be more conspicuous than this dude and i he's uh i think he's got like interpol warrants out he's like no, yeah for real <laughs> yeah so you haven't heard you haven't heard of this guy i'm not sure j h o l o okay okay there's a movie it's like one mdb 
Okay. Uh, Malaysian Development Bank. Development. Right. And it all began at the club with him getting it, no, bottles I, of Dom. That's where that's where I think people started to really notice like who the hell is this random guy that went to Wharton Business School nice and now has five bill. And nobody yeah. knew where he got it from. I mean, yeah. He would he would buy so many bottles and and I remember hearing this from uh from the guys who worked there that they would uh they would resell him what he had already bought because they didn't have enough. Stop. Like they, <laughs> they go take, in the bag like they bring out ten, they, they go bring in the out back. ten, they take it back and then they like put on new sparklers and like brought the rest back out. Oh my god. <laughs> so I, no, I I remember that. I remember that. And that was probably that guy was probably keeping that club open for like, I mean he's paying rent for the month, that's for sure. Waitresses went home like, you know, 20 grand in their bank accounts that night like, hey, that's wild. More than strippers. That's, hey, that's not what I would spend my money on. But. Um a lot of clubs closing. What yeah, do you dude. think the the next step is for nightlife in New York? I have, you know, kind of a cautiously optimistic view that um, that it really was like in need of a reset. And I think, Teddy, like when we started going out, I mean, like you would go to the meatpacking district on like a Tuesday or a Wednesday night and there would be like 700 people there. There are 15 venues. Everybody, there's just like so much energy. Everybody's like bouncing back and forth between place to place. And, you know, kind of like the last couple of years, even pre-COVID, um, there wasn't kind of like that energy, right? There's only a couple companies that, that have venues open. So I'm hopeful that, especially with real estate kind of becoming a little bit more affordable, especially in Manhattan, that somebody's going to open up something like new and cool. I think things are going to go in like the lounge direction, Yeah. Um, you know, more kind of secluded, more private. Um, you know, I, I'm just like thinking back to like one of the last, sh- the last show I played before COVID uh, was at Marquee with Alan Walker. I think there were like 1,300 13 or 1,400 people there. And like, you know, trying to get from the DJ booth to the bathroom is like parting the Red Sea. I remember that, man. You are elbowing your way through people. And like, I'm thinking back on that, just like, oh, my God. Like, the amount of people breathing on you and stuff like that. Like, that would never have been a thought at that time. But now that we think about those things, I don't know that these, like, mega clubs are really going to come back the way that they, uh, you know, once were. We'll have to see, but... Yeah, the private area is going to be way more popular, and it's yeah. going to need to become more affordable for, right. for yeah, the, I was just the everyday goer. My yeah. table, that's going to need to be a thing. I really right. Think so. so, I I mean, I remember being at the club, and the tables were at least $1,500 for five people. Like, no joke. Yeah. Like, you would not be able to get into a club unless you were buying a bottle or you had a table minimum. And a bottle was no joke. No joke. You needed to be spending, what, $500. And then they'd be like, okay, we'll let you in. It's going to be a bar tab, but the bar tab's 250 So you go in, hit the bar with your buddy, and you each need to have five vodka sodas quick. And then you're at your minimum. And then you have tip. That's another 20%. Yeah. So you end up spending $300 before you even... I don't know, get waist down or, yeah. Yeah, or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's unsustainable. And, it's, you know, it's kind of a bubble. Like you only want to get in because everybody else wants to get in. And once nobody wants to, or you can't go anymore because the club's exactly. closed, like, you know, it's, it's kind of a house of cards. So we'll just have to see like what, uh, what goes down, but I'm confident, you know, I'm going to be here. New Yorkers we're staying here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. As long as we have alcohol in each other, you know. Absolutely. We'll just, <laughs> that's, all, that's all you need. Episode 97 of the Ted Jones world podcast here with Peter Moran international man of mystery and DJ Nick Rounder. Nick, before we uh, wrap it up here today, is there anything specific you would like to talk about? You would like to ask um, myself over here, Ted Jones or Peter Moran? What do you got got for us, bro? You know, I'm a longtime listener, first-time guest. Yes. Who who would you say have been your three favorite um, guests on the show so far? Oh, my God. On the spot. Um, You know, I, I can't 
specifically say, but I will. Okay. <laughs> so um, I, I'm going to say Julio Gallerati for sure. Uh, Julio has been man. on the podcast four times. Yet to be with Peter Moran, though, on the podcast. We'll, ha- we'll have Julio um, eventually. So I'm going to have to say, <sighs> all right, I got three good ones. So Julio Gallerati, Zach Tyler Eisen, maybe part one or part right, two, right, yeah. who is the avatar uh, from Netflix. So we, got, oh, wow, a, we yeah. got a ton of coverage from that. Reddit was ripping me in uh, part one. So we had to have Zach come back for part two after I watched the show. And Peter and I had a great time with him. We did. And number three has to be Peter Moran. Oh, it has guys. to be you, bro. What number episode is this for us together? This episode 97? Like 29. Is it 28 or 29? 29. It's 29. Okay, Jesus, <laughs> of course. He's been keeping trap. So yeah. we have episode 100 coming up, the right. lit cast. And, um, you know, we're looking to get guests once a yeah. week. Deem uh, it's COVID safe. I had a negative COVID test this morning, which is great. And I was supposed to have a date tonight, but I actually pushed it back to tomorrow because of the restaurant that we wanted to go to. Rosa Mexicano is not open on Tuesdays. Oh. Who knew oh, wow. this? This is. But um, <laughs> we'll see. And I'm also pissed because I'm having a changing. great hair day today. You know what I'm saying, <laughs> boys? I was like, fuck. I think you should go Jesus. back to what you did last time we recorded that hair. I think you'll do better on Which day. time? That's when it was back more. That's that's, oh, that's right. my favorite Ted Jones you- hair day. <laughs> With like the semi ponytail or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Yeah. Great. Nick Rauner. Thank you so much for joining us. Peter Moran, uh, you want to wrap it up with anything or what? Let's get out of here, guys. Perfect. Nick, I thank you very much. Goodbye, everyone. See you in 98. Cheers.